Well, good morning. Uh, There are times in our life where we need to take a leap of faith. Uh, a few years ago during an Easter service we were planning and we came up with this idea of, of a way to show uh, what it looks like to take a leap of faith. We, we decided we'd have someone from our church jump out of an airplane and, uh, and skydive so we could kind of connect the whole experience, which made a lot of sense uh, when the intern, Mike, uh, volunteered to be the guy to jump out of the plane. And I didn't think much of it. There was really no cost involved to me until I was standing there on the ground and the plane was flying overhead and Mike was getting ready to jump. And I thought, what did I do? Like, what if Mike dies? Just to make an illustration, like this is not the smartest moment of my, my ministry. Uh, Mike's fine. In fact, he's preaching uh, right now at the Huntington Beach campus. So it all worked out great. But sometimes you got to take a leap of faith. I, I love the Nervous family uh, here in our church. They have a huge heart uh, for the unborn. They're, they're great advocates. Uh, but not only do they, they speak and teach and, and uh, uh, kind of help people. Dan uh, works uh, with Nightlight Christian Adoption Agency, but not once, not twice, but three different times their family has put their money where their mouth is, and they have adopted children from around the world. Uh, The last child uh, that was adopted, this little girl, Idana, from uh, Kyrgyzstan, I love the the story of when uh, Dan and uh, Christina first went in to meet her, went into the orphanage, and uh, Idana was told that uh, visitors were coming, and so she asked for a special dress and shoes. She asked that her hair be washed. And so she was sitting there on a stool as they entered into the orphanage. She got up from her stool. Uh, she walked over. She gave Dan and Christina the biggest hug and then made this announcement. This is my mama and my papa. I'm going home now. Goodbye. <laughs> there are times in our lives where we need to take a leap of faith. And, and one year ago, Beach Point Church went through, I think, a destiny-changing series where we talked about daring faith. We talked about being a church willing to take leaps of faith because of who we believe God to be. When we talked about what it would look like for us to, to grow, sow, and go in faith as we listen to God prompt our heart. And, and so for the next four weeks, we're going to revisit this theme. This allows the story to line up perfectly with Easter. And then uh, after Easter, as we see how the church develops, and so it will be perfect uh, going there. Uh, but this gives us a chance to kind of think about where we've been over the last year and what God has been doing. Our, our theme verse Endearing faith was Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, which says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I, I would say, honestly, God did just that. It was a, a season that was just filled with excitement and encouragement and, and people experiencing things that they've never experienced before. We, we challenged you to grow in faith. It was, a, it was a pathway to help you mature in your faith. And, and we saw a number of things happen as people began to uh, be more intentional, as Brian said, more intentional about listening to God, seeking God, studying the word of God. And you look at things like how many new people, many of you, entered into a life group for the first time so that you could study with a group of people and learn and be held accountable and, and live out your faith. 
Uh, even, I mean, th- this shows a lack of faith on my part. When we started the story months ago, we bought 300 books thinking there are a few of you that would want to study along. We've sold over a thousand story books uh, on our two campuses, not only for you, but I know many of you have been so excited to learn God's word that you want other people to grow in faith as well. And so you bought them and gave them to family and friends. We challenged you to sow in faith. We invited you to consider what it would look like to sow in faith, which is a process to help you learn how to give in faith. And so there's this biblical principle that you, you sow seed and you reap a harvest. That you, in essence, kind of an example, some of you have sowed uh, seeds in your garden right now uh, as springtime is, uh, is approaching and you're ready. You're going to see a harvest take place uh, as these uh, different things that you're growing are going to come to harvest. And so we invited people to, to be able to think about this from a financial standpoint as Jesus talks, as uh, the scriptures speak of us being people who would trust God with our finances. What does this look like? Now, it was interesting. We had some big initiatives. We were planting a church in Huntington Beach. We, we realized that our campus here needed some expansion. And so we, we uh, jumped into some very big initiatives. And we brought in an expert who said, uh, you guys have the capacity to raise about $1.6 million. And we said, okay. We jumped into the series, and you committed $3.8 million uh, to the campaign. In fact, we've already collected almost $2 million of this. So, so much for the experts. Uh, more to, uh, credit to you guys. I love the stories, though, because the stories are stories like one of our young adult couples. Uh, one of our young guys, uh, he was excited to get engaged. He was planning to buy the ring, and yet as the series was going on, he felt God was calling him in his brand new job to give his very first paycheck to God. It was a, a way for him to live out this biblical principle of first fruits, meaning that I'm going to give God the first, and I'm going to trust him for a harvest to come. And so he took his first check, he gave it to God as an act of faith, and he waited. And he waited for the harvest to come, and and eventually God blessed him in some unique ways, and he was able to buy the ring and get engaged. But you think about, what a great way for these two to start their life together, this sense of faith in God, trusting him. We challenged you to go in faith. We, We invited you to listen to God, how he was inviting you to live out your faith around other people. And again, remember, faith, ultimately, it is a response. It's action. It is, it is a way of movement to the things that we hear God saying. I, I love how one uh, woman in our church uh, felt moved by God to, to go, to leave her job, and to enter into a, a family business because she felt like that's what God was calling her to do, inviting her to do. Her boss sent me this text. It said this. It said, Your Daring Faith series caused my accounts payable girl to quit. Her following God's plan is messing up with my plan. And then he he added LOL. But I I mean, I love the fact that uh, many of our people uh, began to see themselves being called to go. And and not only were we sending people out onto the mission field uh, around the world, but you began to see your mission field uh, uh, your soccer team, your classroom, your, your workplace, your, your home, your neighborhood. And we began to go to our friends and family instead of waiting for them to come to us. And see, all these things, all these initiatives really bring to life one of the most uh, valuable big ideas we see in the Bible. And it's our, uh, what we want to emphasize today. And here's our big idea is that daring faith pleases God. It pleases God. 
And we're going to see today that uh, just how clear that is uh, in the scriptures. And, and I want you to be able to see that there's this unique way in which, as we see that the, the story, as we follow the story of God, we see that all these stories along the way, how much it has been acts of faith along the way in who God is and what he can do and how God has been pleased to use people this way. So let me invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, page 1212 in the Bibles in front of you, almost at the very end of your Bible. And this chapter is called by many the Hall of Fame of Faith. Uh, and it's, a, it's an important chapter. It's interesting because this letter that the writer of Hebrews is sending, these are people that are discouraged. They're under, uh, uh, there's pressure upon them. And because of this pressure, the thought of leaving the faith is being entertained. And so uh, here, as he's been setting all these things up about the, the supremacy of Jesus in their life, he comes to this moment where they can look back at all the heroes of their faith. And they can understand that faith means we, we persevere, we, we keep going on, and he gives all these examples. And, but in this, what is so interesting that we're going to see is this, is when you begin to think of, of this chapter, we, we looked at this uh, extensively last year. If you want to go back, you can look at, listen to the messages. We'll just look at this one uh, during this series. But this, when you look at anything that's called the Hall of Fame of Faith, you can look at it like any kind of Hall of Fame experience. So I don't know if you've ever been to a Hall of Fame for sports or for music, or entertainment, or anything else. But when you walk into a Hall of Fame, and you're looking at a Hall of Fame, you're kind of looking at bigger-than-life people. And you're kind of realizing they can do something that I can't do. And that's what kind of makes you admire them. And so when we look at this passage, it's very easy, or this chapter, it's very easy to get intimidated. But I want you to hear these words. I think these are great words that... uh, A pastor named Chuck Swindoll writes this about this passage. He says this. He says, understand this. People are people. The world isn't divided in God's eyes between the super-duper saints and the groveling saints. God doesn't divide the Christian community into the haves and haves-nots, the populars and the peons. In God's family, everyone is P-O-H, plain old human. None of us can walk on water. We need to remember that when we come to a passage like this in Hebrews 11, or we'll get spooked. But then he says this, and this is so important for you to hear as we launch these these next weeks. He says, the second thing is this, God is God. He wasn't more God back in the first century than he is today. He wasn't more God to Moses than he is to people today. God is God. And he says, maybe the greatest verse in Hebrews is this, uh, Hebrews thirteen eight that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he makes these two points because he wants you to understand this, that if you don't see it this way, that God works with people just like us, and God hasn't stopped being his godness today, you will not open your heart up to the fact that God may want to write a daring faith story with your life. That God is able not just to do the improbable, but the impossible in your life. And so let's look at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. It says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. 
The first thing we discover about faith is this, is that daring faith is confidence in God. What the writer of Hebrews is going to do from the very beginning is try to help us understand what faith is rooted in. And what is rooted in is it is confidence. It is confidence. And he's going to show that everyone who acts in this chapter acts because of their growing confidence in who God is and what God can do. And this confidence, this this idea of understanding that that this confidence is built on his character, his wisdom, his plans, his future, his calling, his promises. All these things together. Faith is trusting, he says, what we have reason to trust. What we find trustworthy. And so this word that you see there, this confidence, some of you may have the word, uh, it may say this, that faith is the evidence. And and he's making a very important point. In fact, you see it, if you look down just to verse 3, you'll see that verse 3 begins with, by faith we understand. He talks about how we understand that God created the world out of nothing. That word confidence, that word understand, he's trying to help you understand something that faith isn't just like a, a, a feeling. Faith is rooted in reason. There isn't faith and then reason. We, we build our faith based on reason. And what he's going to do for, these, for this audience is he's going to draw them to the character of God and to the power of God and to the work of God and say, if you understand God to be like this, you can trust him. You can step out in faith. Now, daring faith, what we begin to see is this, is that daring faith for us last year was about a response to God. It's, a, it's about a, 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 a God prompting something in our life. And because we trust him, we say yes to it. So daring faith, it, it is not, it's not a, a, like extreme dreaming. It's not sponsored by Red Bull. It's not you just kind of coming up with a mo- like the most crazy thing you can think of and just going for it. Uh, daring faith is about you learning to have a, a trust, a growing trust in God, hearing his voice in your life uh, through his spirit or through his word, and then doing what you think he's asking you to do. And, and whether that's to grow in a way or sow or go, that you have a confidence because of who he is, you can do this. So this is, so just real quick before we move on. Faith, we see early on, faith is anchored in reason. It finds the object of its faith trustworthy. And for the writer of Hebrews, he's, he's been setting up the greatness of God all through these chapters. And that's why ch- verse 11, verse 1 is so important. But now notice verses 5 and 6. If we understand how faith comes about, how do you develop it? How do you deepen faith? Verses 5 and 6 help us see this. In verses 5 and 6 we read this, that by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The second thing we see if we want to see faith develop is that daring faith is fueled by relationship. 
It is fueled by relationship. Daring faith finds its life. It is animated by intimacy with God. The more we seek God and walk with God, the the more our faith grows and develops. Now, Enoch is a very interesting guy. We don't really know much about him. It's it's, It's fascinating that he's even included in this incredible chapter. The very little we know mostly comes from Genesis chapter 5, which says this. I'll put it up here on the screen. It says that when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Okay. But here's the next thing. Notice, Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more. Because God took him away. We don't know much about him. But if there's a a strong descriptor of what we should pay attention to. It's verse 24. Enoch walked faithfully with God. And then he was no more because God took him away. Now notice what the Bible says is that he uh, comparatively lived a short time. 365 years seems Rather long to us, of course. But it's interesting. Kind of a, a, an image of completeness. 365 days in a year. He lived 365 years. This complete life. And then gone. But his story is different than every other story in Hebrews 11. Because every other story in Hebrews 11 is about, by faith, what this person did. They built an ark. They went on a journey. They did whatever they did. But Enoch, rather than doing something, something is done to him. So because of his faith, God took him away. Why did God take him away? What did he do? Is there anything that we know about him? The hint is he walked with God. Now we we talked about this briefly last week. The first time this idea of walking comes uh, in the Bible, of walking with God, comes in Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve have sinned and fallen, and remember they're hiding And it says that God was walking in the cool of the night. It seems like a habit he has to come and to walk with them and to share the day with them. And in this very same wording, in this very same way, it says that this is how Enoch lived with God. He walked with him. He shared life. He shared friendship with him. He didn't walk for God. He walked with God. One commentator says it this way. He says, usually such people walk about before God, which suggests that God has an eye on them with both solemn and encouraging implications. But Enoch walked about with God, which suggests something more like friendship. Enoch shared friendship with God. Now, if you've, I hope, I pray, you're starting to see this in our study of the story. If you've been with us uh, during in this time, you've try, hopefully starting to see this big God story develop. And in this big God story, you see that you are created to be in a relationship with God. That the Bible is primarily the story of God working to redeem and rebuild and restore that relationship. And I don't want to give away the ending, but the last chapter that you are, you are headed, your destiny is to be with God forever. You were created to be in a relationship with God. God adores you and wants to share himself with you. And if Jesus could, could describe it 
I think the best story that Jesus gives us to describe is a story we talk about in church all the time. And I think it, we, we need to talk about this story. We need to remind ourselves of this, how powerful this story is. We call it the prodigal son. And you remember that Jesus t- trying to tell a story to reveal what God is like to people who are having trouble with how he was relating to sinful people. And he's telling this story and he says, there's a son. He asks for his inheritance. He basically says to his dad, you're better off dead to me. He gets his money. He goes, he runs, he wastes it all in sinful living. He wakes up one day. He's knee deep in pig slop. He has nothing to eat. He's like thinking, even the stuff the pigs are eating looks appetizing. He smells, he's filthy. And he thinks to himself, I should go back home. I should beg for my father's forgiveness. I'd be better off just being a servant in his home. And so he musters up the courage and he begins to walk back. And while he's just a speck in the distance, something happens. Listen to the description from Luke chapter 15 as Jesus describes it. He says, when he was still a long way off, his father saw him, his heart pounding. He ran out, embraced him and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to his servants. Quick, bring out a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here. Given up for dead and now alive. Given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. And Jesus is trying to, he's painting a picture through this story to say, I want you to see what the father's like. And there's this powerful moment. I don't know if you caught it or not. Do you, did you see the moment where Jesus is describing? There's a moment when God isn't listening to you. It's this moment when his, all he can hear is his heart racing. And he's just, he has you in such a tight embrace that all he can think about is that you're home and that you're with him and that it's time to celebrate. And as much as you try to make a speech of how bad it's been, all he can think about is how good it's going to be as long as you're together. And it's a powerful image, and I, I love it because, see, when Jesus began to, t- right before Jesus tells the story, there's a verse that he, he's told two stories already. And twice he said this thing that when, when anyone comes to this place of recognizing that it's time to come home, of, of turning from their old life of, and turning towards God, he says that all the heavens separate, celebrate, that the angels in heaven celebrate Our high school guys have a tradition. I I think it goes back probably 15 plus years. Um, But they do this. They they pack Martinelli's and they take it with them to camp because they've invited some of their friends who don't know Jesus yet. And they're kind of anxiously awaiting. And when their friends come to faith, when they turn their hearts uh, towards, uh, away from their old life and turn their, 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 their life and their faith towards Jesus, they, they read this passage together. They read these verses together. And then it looks like, like the Cubs not winning a World Series in 108 years because their cabin devotion is them just celebrating and spraying these kids and, and just having, like, just cel- like trying to help them envision that this is what it looks like, the party in heaven. 
Gary Moon writes this. He says, if you've left your personal pig pen of self-sufficiency, you have been the cause of a heavenly bash. Heaven partied the day you said enough. I was wrong to try to be God. I've made a mess of my life and I want to apologize and go home. And he goes on, he says, before you had time to arrive, there he was, your heavenly father, scanning the horizon, looking for a sign you were coming back. And when he saw you a speck in the distance, he broke into a run, so undignified for a patriarch. And he hugged you as you tried to futilely explain. But he was too distracted by his excitement to listen. You were made for a relationship with God. And I I want you to listen closely so that you understand what daring faith is about. Daring faith is about walking intimately with God. It's allowing our deepest relationship with him to grow and create such a bond of trust that when he invites you to something, when he prompts you towards something, your answer is, of course, of course. And the moment that you have even just the the smallest seed of doubt and you say to him, are you sure we can do this? you can hear his voice say, we absolutely can do this. This is not an I thing. This is a we thing. Daring faith is not about you. It is about you and God. It is about a we thing, us doing it with God together. And together with God, he brings us to places that we can never handle on our own, but but with him and with his power, we can Well, notice this last thing that's very important. We see that God rewards our daring faith. The author of Hebrews reminds us that God rewards those who will diligently seek him. It means to to earnestly go after something, passionately go after something. And we see this in Enoch. This is the best way that we, we can say we know Enoch is that he believed, he trusted, he built his God confidence And notice that God rewards the one who will seek him. It means to exert considerable effort. And it's important that you see that that word seek is, it's not like that you seek him once. It is present. It is active. It means that you seek him and you continue to seek him. Now think about this. Enoch's on to something. The more you walk with God and seek him earnestly, the more you begin to discover who he is and what he's like. And the more your God confidence grows. So that when he prompts you to something, your answer can be, of course. And you respond with faith. But the more you seek and the more you discover and the more he reveals himself and his power, the, the, the bigger it continues to grow. And you, so as you continue to seek him, Your faith continues to grow bigger and bigger. And what he can ask of you can be greater and greater. And while you may look at it today and say, I could never do that. By walking with him and growing in confidence of who he is and what he can do. When you walk and you mature and you grow in this way. You get to this place and say, of course we can do this. 
I mean, think about your own growth. There are things you say yes to God now that you think, boy, years ago, I would never have said yes to this. But you've grown because you sought him and you've walked with him and you've discovered more and more who he is and how he works. And he's rewarded you for that. See, I've I've watched some of you, I've watched some of you really experience the reward of growth because as you've sought God, one of the things you've learned, some of, I, what I love about how, where some of you are at is some of you have learned this. You can accomplish more by doing less. You have slowed down. And you have built into your life listening to God and studying his word and studying who he is and what he does and, and how he wants you to be. And that time each day where you think and you pray and you study and you meditate on scripture, you realize I am getting more out. I'm becoming a better, stronger person than by just simply grinding, 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 grinding. And you're experiencing the reward of of growth. Some of you have experienced the reward of sowing in faith because you, you believe Jesus on his promise so Jesus says this. This is, a, this is a cool verse that Jesus gives. It's, it's fascinating. So Jesus says this. He says in Luke 6, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus says, look, God is not like those little swindlers uh, who you do commerce with. He takes the measure He fills it up. He shakes it so it all settles down. He gets all the air pockets out and then he fills it some more. He packs it down and fills it up some more because there's more room. In fact, he fills it so much that it begins to overflow into your lap. This is who God is if you'll trust him. And some of you are experiencing that reward. You have been more blessed to give than to receive and your heart is full. I would encourage you, some of you uh, just need to think about this. Uh, our, our church in Huntington is off to a great start and financially sustainable. Uh, it, it is way ahead of where most church plants are. And that is because you have been generous. Ken is a great leader. Uh, but you guys, as you've thought this way, have you, and, and so I, I, there was a picture this weekend. They did a retreat with their young adults. And I loved it. I looked at the picture and I'm like, I don't know most of these people. This is awesome. Uh, all these new people who are coming into faith because we had the, the courage and faith to plant this church. Now, I would encourage you to do this. Do it in a way so that you don't look like a creeper or get arrested, but um, you should go near the kids' playground and just listen to them giggle on this brand new playground. Watch the smiles on their face. Do it, do it, do it in a way that's coy. Um, uh, you know what I mean? It is, it is so much fun watching them, listening to them, the reward of joy that, Lord, what a, what a, this is a much better investment. And in just a few weeks, you're going to see phase one take shape of our campus expansion. Um, I think there's a picture of our, our new multi-purpose room that's coming. 
And as these things take place, I mean, even now, there are things happening. You can't really see. It's all kind of under-the-surface stuff. There's, if you look closely, you'll start to see spray paint all over the campus. It's not because we have a teenager problem with tagging and gangs and things like that. It's, we have engineers that are all over our campus spraying where power and water and mechanical, all these things are going to go. But in a few weeks, you're going to see uh, drawings and dreams uh, move to hammers and nails and wood and structures. And these new expansive structures are going to mean a lot for our campus and all the ministries that we do. You're seeing the rewards as many of you are seeing your family and friends come to faith. They're starting to come to church in ways that they never did before because you are going to them in faith. So when we seek God, when we walk with God, our confidence in him grows and what we believe he can do in us and through us grows. That we begin to see that God is able to do immeasurably more. That word means exceedingly abundantly. Paul chose two words because he couldn't pick one. That's how big it is. That God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more through you. According to this power that's at work in you. This is the kind of people we are. And he says, because this is who our God is, gosh, let's give him all the praise he deserves in heaven and on earth. So let me invite you to a question to to, to pray through as we close our service. How has God been inviting you to respond to him with daring faith? Maybe maybe you notice it lately. Maybe there's been hints to it. And I want you to begin to think about that, but maybe you haven't noticed it yet. And think of this moment as kind of like a moment like when you're going to buy a new car and you haven't really settled in on what car you're going to get, but you've settled it in on the genre. You're going to get a little mini SUV. So now all of a sudden you're looking at the Nissan and the Toyota. You've looked at them all online, but now when you're driving down the street, you notice them all, don't you? And you're like, ooh, I like that one. Oh, I don't like that one. Now that I see it. But your radar is, it, it, you, 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 you're ready Your filter is open to it. Be open to the way that God is inviting you. For some of you, it is a time to finally say yes to him and respond in faith. For some of you, now is the time to say yes. It's time to take that step of baptism or to get into a group or tomorrow night, finally take that step and go to celebrate recovery. Or do what you know God has been prompting in your heart to say yes to a Stephen minister walking with you in this very tough season you're going. You don't have to go through it alone. There are people waiting to go through it with you. Some of you, this is a chance to think about how you give to God generously. And if you're new with us, if maybe coming here in the last year, you don't quite know the whole Daring Faith story. Out on the patio, there's a table and you can grab a packet. I just want you to know this. What we, we've tried to make this all about you and God. You listening to God and you doing what God invites you to do. Now, here's the warning. Um, I chose not to kind of come at you and ask you for like to, I, I, I'm not a good fundraiser. But what I, I hope I am is a decent pastor. So what I've invited you to do is just listen to God. And what I've loved is this. Every person I've talked to about their experience, they've said this. We thought we would do this. Then we spent time in prayer. Then we talked. And we waited and we prayed some more. And God always challenged us to do a little bit more than we thought we can do. And you know what? We're excited to do it. 
So I'm just warning you, you spend time with God. He might say some things that are a little challenging for you, but I'm confident that he will reward you because he always rewards faith. Some of you need to think about being like the nervous family, maybe opening your home or giving your life to something new. God's been pushing you out. We have a woman in our church who just committed her life to full-time global missions. Uh, And I wonder, who's next? Who's next? Let me give you an image here as we we, uh, end. The, The African impala... Is a, it's, a, it's a remarkable animal. It can leap 30 feet. It can leap up to 10 feet high. So you have to imagine how in the world do zookeepers keep them penned in? And it's simple. You put a three-foot wall in front of them. Because an impala will not jump where, when, when it doesn't know. It won't jump if it doesn't know where it's going to land. And you and I are a lot like that, aren't, that, aren't we? We won't leap Sometimes if we don't know where we're going to land. But God isn't giving us the guarantees. He's just saying, trust me. And you will not discover new lands until you lose sight of the shore. So let's pray together. Ask God, Lord, how are you inviting me to respond with daring faith?